I'm Doreen Gupta and I'm a lecturer uh, with Faculty of Veterinary Science. I'm based at Duki campus. Primarily, I'm a crop scientist working around crops, trying to be part of the change where we can make up food production system more sustainable. Doreen, give us a snapshot. What's changed in crop science, say from a decade ago or even longer? There are two ways to look into it. Some food production systems has gone uh, down the path where we would say like, they have lost their ability to sustain themselves for longer. As we have found that this is happening not since, say, from past two or four years, we have started taking some changes along the way as well. And that's more coming from technology interventions and also some of the management changes along the production line. Your work's very important for the future of the planet, food security, managing sustainable resources? Yes, my research and uh, my role as an academic definitely address food challenges around making it, uh, say we call it part of food security or sustaining food production. When we say sustaining food production, it means we just don't want to grow enough quantity and quality-wise for, for our generation, but we want to leave planet better for future generations as well. So we definitely need to take some changes along the way. And these changes won't happen overnight, and it won't be just one quick fix as well. These are small, realistic steps which need to come along the way. Uh, some changes, as I mentioned, have already started happening, um, but there is more to see as well. Mm. You can ask me why it's so very important at this time. <laughs> I, I would like to add that um, looking at the projections, uh, the way population is increasing, by 2050 we believe we will be more than 9 billion. That poses a problem. Yes, that does. Not in terms of uh, Earth can't sustain so many people, but the challenge would be more around the way we are producing food and will we be able to produce enough to feed everybody around the world. Looking at the scenarios, the way we are producing food, the resources we have, the challenges uh, food production systems are facing, whether you talk about soil degradation, climate change, um, it seems like we might not be able to produce enough to feed everybody by that time. It looks like we might have to use half the resources we have today to produce almost double the amount of food to feed everybody around the world. So that brings us to the question how to address it. And how do you address it? This problem doesn't look simple. We definitely have to think, I would say, place to place or region to region. We have to see different production systems as well when we talk about food industry. What I'm saying, say, the challenges with cropping industry are different than um, what they are being faced with the animal industry. So coming from the cropping side, I can highlight more the issues we have and how we are trying to address them. So. Soil health is one of the primary concern at the moment to address. And at the same time, I'm sure not many of us are aware, but the yields we expect from our crops, that has been plateaued as well. So are we able to break those barriers to produce more from the given plants and from the land we have? Uh, that is something we are looking in future. So it's not just the soil, it's also what we're planting, how it's performing. Your students have a lot of problems in front of them. Are we going to get there? Yes, I believe so. I'm a very optimistic person. I believe if we start thinking and taking those realistic steps from now onwards, which has already been started, but we need probably a bigger pace to deal with all that, we would definitely be able to make it sure that everybody get those three important meals on their plate for coming generations. What's delighted you most about the progress in cropping? I would say the role of technology. 
I would say, uh, the change which I have seen since I have joined agriculture science, being a student in this area and then uh, working as an academic. So technology has added more value in terms of, it has started looking into the production systems being more precise. So what we put in terms of resources, we are trying to understand can we minimize the use of resources so that we harvest maximum out of them. We don't waste them. So agriculture is becoming or is already a high-tech industry. Yes and no both. The scale varies again. Developing countries uh, still are not at the same pace with the role of technology being embedded in agriculture as it's with the developed countries. There are many smallholding farmers around the world who contribute more to food production. Their food production system is still the very traditional one where there, there are chances for improvement, maybe with simple management practices or by even impro- using improved crop varieties. Whereas in developed countries, technologies has to become more part of the actual commercial production system. It, it has uh, gained the momentum, but not really, I would say, happening at all the farms around the world. Should we as consumers be also rethinking what we're eating? Uh, Yes, I would say that's one of the bigger drivers at the same time. We talk often about uh, increasing food production, but at the same time we keep on forgetting how much we are wasting. Food waste occurs at two levels. One we say before we harvest, and then once it's harvested, the way we store it, the way it's transported, and finally when it comes to our plates. Uh, As a consumer, we waste a lot as well. The food wastage problem uh, for the developed and developing countries works at different scales again. The issue around food waste before harvest occurs more in developing countries uh, because, as I mentioned, the technology hasn't been adopted to the level as it is with developed countries. Whereas in developed countries, food wastage is more a consumer problem. So we waste more food when it comes to our home or when it's sitting in our fridge or when we don't like what, what is on our plate. So yeah, food waste works at two scales, as I mentioned. But consumer perception and understanding and awareness would definitely impact the way we are producing food. Uh, maybe taking some steps at individual scale to minimize food waste, but at the same time, being more aware from where the food is coming. What will we see on Dookie Day? I'm very excited for Dookie Day. We're going to demonstrate various things at various levels. We'll be more focused and based for the sustainable cropping present. Um, my group would be demonstrating a few plants, which are the way we grow, like those improved varieties of lentil, and we would be demonstrating some plants, which are wild lentils. We would be demonstrating seeds as well, so people will be surprised. They will feel like, oh, really, these tiny seeds are those potential sources of important genes. And other than that, we would be also demonstrating with a bit of role of technology how that has made it possible for everybody to grow something wherever they are. It's a small apartment or they got a bit of backyard. So we would be demonstrating uh, vertical farming. That's where you really don't have to be reliant on soil. You can just use a soil less medium, water some nutrients, uh, put seeds up in a tray, and uh, you will be ready to harvest within 10 to 12 days. We call them microgreens. Doran, thank you. I look forward to visiting your group at Dookie Day. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm
I'm Boana. I'm the lecturer and soil scientist based at Duki campus. I teach a few subjects in Bachelor of Agriculture and also a master's subject. Um, and my research focus is mainly working with uh, biochar uh, as converting waste material into biochar and using it into soil. I also work in subsoil amelioration using many organic material and biochar um, into subsoil to improve the soil properties. Can anything make up biochar? Pretty much, yeah, any organic waste. Also paper waste. So anything that is not too toxic, uh, which can be charred under anaerobic, less oxygen condition, um, can be biochar. And there are lots of research happening with many feedstock. So when you say biochar being made in anaerobic conditions, does that mean it's fermented? It's actually not fermented. It's just heated up in lack of oxygen. So it's a short process. For example, if a microwave biochar, it could happen in 10, 15 minutes. If it is a traditional biochar, it could take 45 minutes to one hour. It's just heating material up in lack of oxygen. It's the ultimate in recycling. It's sort of like dust to dust. It, it, it is kind of recycling. I, I do like to use that word because you have the waste material and you can convert it to biochar, used back to soil and agriculture, also in, as a waste remediation. Now, your group is going to be out at Dookie campus. I learned something about Dookie the other day, that it was chosen as a site for an agricultural college because it had different soil samples around its surrounds. Yes, we do. Dookie uh, has a red ferrosol, which, which we call Dookie Red. It is really good in agriculture soil. It has good infiltration, good for different purposes of agriculture. We have orchard, we have, uh, we have other cropping all using that soil. Talking about soil types, can you guess how many soil types we have in Turkey? Okay, I'm going to guess four. Go more. Eight. Seven. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> You're very close. Yes, yeah, that's so a good. lot of soil types. I mean, it's ridiculous amount of soil types. How can there be seven soil types in one big area? It is very interesting. Dookie has a very interesting geology. How it was formed under a very long time back under oceanic conditions and uh, different soil in different parts of the campuses have different geology. Some have alluvial influence, some has colluvial influence from Dookie Mount Major and other little hills on the nearby area. So having different type of parent material over long time, um, soil has different soil types in Dookie campus. Soil is critical for everything. If the soil doesn't work, the crop doesn't work. The crop doesn't work, we don't have food. So it all comes back to the soils. You're very important for the future of the planet. I can't agree more. <laughs> Thank you for that statement. Yes, soil is the basis of life. I always say it all starts from soil. So if you are thinking of pasture, animal science, if you think of crop production, I think soil is the integral part of all the things we revolve around agriculture. So it's very important to look after soil. And one thing I would like to stress there is um, soil, it takes long, long time to form soil, thousands of years to form a gram of soil. If we don't look after it, if that goes away, then we, uh, we don't have the basis for agriculture so we need to look after it. We don't have thousands of years to create grams of soil so biochar is very important. 
Biochar and our souls group is working on other different materials like uh, modified lignite, composting different organic material like manure, co-composting with uh, lignite and biochar. Um, all those material we, we want to use it as a fertilizer and a soil amendment added to the soil and improve the soil properties. And having said, it's not just for short term of, of days, we're looking for a long term improvement of soil properties so that our generation next to come will also enjoy the good soil we have. Do you have a favourite soil? I would say Dookie Red, Red Ferrosol is my favourite soil and always I take my student to that soil pit where it is there. It's just nice location where it is. I can see all the Dookie fields from there and I can teach about the geology Mount Major sitting just next to that soil pit. I'm a nice red colour, um, have a good profile depth. I would like to, I always take my student there. So I'll say Dookie Red, um, Red Ferrosol is my favourite. <laughs> You describe soil like a wonderful wine or a dessert. (laughs) (laughs) Soil is living, so soil is our friend, it's a living friend. All the microbes living in the soil, they, they are our friends. That's right, soil's living. It's not just dirt. It's dirt plus animal life and in the form of microbes yeah. and fungus and everything else. In our subject, our students, we, we teach them about soil in the first lecture and then we tell them you are not allowed to tell dirt, use the word dirt in our classes because soil is very special. Dirt is something you don't want it. You just get rid of dirt. But soil, we, we love it. We want to look after soil and for generations to come. So... Soil is living, yeah. Since talking to you, I've realised that soil is my friend. What will I explore with you and your team at Dookie Day? In Dookie Day, we have uh, lots of activities in the soil section. We start from small uh, soil microbes, which are our friends now. Um, so we, uh, people can come to our activity and look at the soil microbes in microscope. They can also look at different soil type we have across Victoria. And we have samples of the soil in the little tubes to see how different, how many different soils exist in our area. And then they can do soil texturing, pH, just to play with the soil type, have a feel of it, how it feels. And we also have some uh, demonstration of uh, the lignite amended fertilizer that our group have just researched on. Um, some, of the, uh, some of the information, biogas, uh, biochar, uh, lots of things happening. We also have nitrogen footprint. So uh, if you want to know what your nitrogen uh, footprint is, you can come to our booth and then just enter some of the questions that we'll ask. Then it will, will tell you what your nitrogen footprint is. And if you have low nitrogen footprint, we'll give you a prize. We also have another activity under nitrogen footprint. Uh, we have different agriculture produce on the table. You can come and guess which agricultural produce which have what, what sort of nitrogen footprint, high, medium, low. And if you have a good guess, there is also a prize for that. Just enlighten me. What's important about having a nitrogen footprint and a low nitrogen footprint? So nitrogen footprint is to understand the different activities you do, different, different choices you make in life, like driving a car or going to office by a, riding a bicycle. Um, how much nitrogen would you produce? 
reactive nitrogen with your activity. You could also have different meal choices, for example, eat uh, less meat um, and more legumes and grains, then you could have more nitrogen footprint using meat, less nitrogen footprint eating grains and legumes. So um, the different choices in your life would have different nitrogen footprint. So you've heard of carbon footprint, but now it's time to do your nitrogen footprint. I believe you have a soil mascot. How can you have a mascot for soil? What does it look like? We do. We have a soil mascot and he looks like a SpongeBob painted like a like a soil profile. And there will be people walking around being a soil mascot and make sure you come and say hello to Motley. His name is Motley. He's not dirty, is he? Uh, he's very clean. We wash him every month. <laughs> <laughs> Juana, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you very much for your time.